All right. So, all right, guys, welcome. This is, uh, hadn't been back in a while, but um, we're starting uh, something different. I'm calling it Inside Iron Wine Fitness because most of you know that's where I work and there's plenty of interesting people in there. All that have unique stories and I'm going to bring some of them on and interview them and have them talk about their stories. <clears throat> and our first is Holly. How do you say, uh, is it Darcy or DRC? Darcy, basically just ignore the apostrophe. So it's Holly okay. Darcy. So we have Holly with us today. Now, I wanted to bring her on because since I've seen her at the gym, she has competed and trained for powerlifting and a figure competition, all while running her own business and being a mom, which is pretty much got her hands full. So um, I like to I like to talk to people that have done both because a lot of people like to think one's better than the other or something. I, you know, I've trained people for both, so I know that's that's a bunch of crap. But I like to hear the perspective of the person that has, instead of the coaching side, that has the athlete side. And um, then I found out you had your own um, online coaching business, which has a nice uh, niche to it, to a certain, tailored to a certain demographic. That's really good. And I just wanted to bring you on and talk about it. So I guess where I, we should start, uh, first introduce, tell them about yourself. And then I'm interested in how you got started in the gym life, you know, from the very get go. Yeah. So Let's see. Okay. So, uh, introduce myself. My name's Holly. I'm currently here in Honolulu. I think we're going to be moving probably sooner rather than later. We've been here for about a year and a half and, uh, I'm a military spouse. My husband's in the air force. I've got two daughters and back in the day, many, many, many years ago, I was an elementary school teacher and basically I got into fitness when I was in college, getting ready to graduate. I, uh, was working at a childcare center in a gold's gym and started just training. I had like a discounted gym membership and never had lifted weights before then I was in my very early twenties and just really had no clue what I was doing. I mainly was a cardio bunny, but just kind of thought, well, I'm gonna, you know, play around with these machines and just kind of like, I really just was experimenting. Fast forward a little bit, I uh, got married, got pregnant with my first daughter, and I was still staying active, but I just really didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of stayed active. I did running. I just did a little bit of everything. Um, got into, really started to get into fitness on a consistent basis with through CrossFit. And you can say what you want about CrossFit. Lots of people have different feelings about it, but it was great for me because at, at when I first started, because it built a love for lifting, it built a love for exercise. Um, and so that was great because it really fortified like a foundation of just, you know, if you want to see results, you've got to be consistent. You've got to be in the gym on a regular basis. <clears throat> um, one thing led to another and I, I suffered an injury unrelated to CrossFit, but I suffered a knee injury. I dislocated my kneecap. And at the time I only had like a handful of movements I could do. So got into powerlifting and, uh, just really controlled strict lifting. So got into powerlifting by the time my knee was healed up, I was signed up for my first powerlifting competition. And then, uh, we moved overseas and, I had a second baby. I'm doing like the very fast version of this story. Um, had a second baby. And then let's see, we've moved 
two more times since then. And now we're in Hawaii. So, <laughs> and when I was pregnant with my second daughter, I, um, I knew that I couldn't really, I, I continued powerlifting through about my, the first half of my pregnancy. I have, I actually have on my Instagram, several videos of me lifting in my second and third trimester with a barbell, pretty heavy lifting. Um, and I lifted through my first pregnancy as well, but it got to the point where I couldn't lift as heavy as I wanted to. And so I just said, you know what, I really just want to focus on building, maintaining the muscle that I have and building muscle if I can. And so that's when I switched to training a little bit more for hypertrophy or building muscle. And I did that in the middle of my pregnancy and always told myself, even back in my CrossFit days, I always said, by the time I turn 40, I'm going to do a bodybuilding competition. I'm going to, you know, do a, do a step on stage and a bikini and heels and the whole thing. And, uh, I ended up having my second baby and pretty much as crazy as it sounds, I, I went into prep about six months postpartum. I was still nursing and everything and, uh, went into prep and fast forward to October, 2022. And I competed in two separate figure competitions and had an absolute blast. I'm totally hooked. So I also <laughs> did a, we'll talk about it more, but I did a powerlifting competition in the middle of prep and, um, yeah. So that's kind of my fitness journey. And then I could talk my, my coaching journey as well. If you want me to get into that or. Yeah, go ahead. So I am the type of person that if I get really interested in something, I want to know everything about it. I almost get to the point where like probably some people would say I'm obsessed. And so when I started really getting consistent with CrossFit, I was like, I want to learn more about this. I want to know a whole bunch about it. And so I went and I got like their level one certification and I never had any interest in coaching or anything like that, but I just wanted to learn more about it. Kind of like if you had any other kind of hobby, if you were into cooking or photography, you'd go maybe take a class or read some books about it. So, um, yeah, I got, I got a certification in CrossFit. Well, we joined a gym and I connected really well with the owner and I'd been, I'd been doing CrossFit for pretty consistently for probably year and a half at that point. And, um, the owner of the gym, I was attending the morning classes and it, he basically just said, Hey, like you move really well. Have you ever thought about coaching? Um, you know, you're, you've got a great personality for it. So I started out just coaching like one group class a week and one class led to three classes, three classes led to coaching all the morning classes. Eventually I was coaching pretty much all morning long, multiple classes each day. Um, and then eventually ended up managing that gym as we moved into a bigger building, um, and grew a lot. Then, uh, so I, so I coached CrossFit for 2014, basically five years consistently. And then midway through that, I also was, so I was coaching lots of group classes and then I started taking on individual clients and, uh, coaching one-on-one, -on -one, which is very different from coaching groups. And, um, so built up a lot of in-person experience training people before I ever transitioned online. I transitioned online because um, we moved overseas. We were living in New Mexico at the time and we moved overseas in 2018. And I had a lot of people that still wanted to continue to work with me, but I needed a way to you know, continue helping them out. And so 
before online coaching was like a really, really big thing. I just sort of was doing a hybrid model. I was doing some coaching and personal training in person in Japan when we moved overseas. And then I was doing, you know, online. And then I went fully online in February, 2019, um, before the pandemic. And so I've been 100% online, except for a little bit of in-person here and there on a case-by-case basis since, since uh, early 2019. So almost, what is that? Almost almost four years after after this uh, new year. So, yeah. I think uh, with the online coaching, I think that's um, some of the people that, are really successful in it. That's how they start. They start in person and either the client moves or they have to move. Like, cause with me, I was training a lot of military. They, they were moving and wanted to keep working with me. So that's how I got started. Then a friend tells a friend, tells a friend. And next thing you know, it's, it's, you know, Hawaii, we call it coconut wireless where, you know, word of mouth. And then you start picking up all these people and then it kind of grows on its own. Um, I didn't, I didn't know you, you, you did CrossFit and train people in person for a long time beforehand. That's, that's, uh, I think, I think people that do online need that experience because um, you have to know what to anticipate to in order to write a good program. And even, yeah, I, I just, I think it helps. It, it helps with um, knowing what they're going to need and what kind of problems might come up, especially, you know, one thing I don't, I don't know if you do it and, and I do it sometimes too, but I, if somebody comes to me first and they've never had a trainer know anything about the gym i'm kind of like maybe you should find somebody local first just to help i mean i've got videos and i've got ways i can instruct but it's like not the same vibe as getting a one-on-one and learning the basics in person you know um, what do you think what what do you how do you feel about that yeah that's a really good question so i you know i my personal opinion i totally agree i think that trainers should have some in-person experience before they transition online. I mean, there's really no regulation around personal training certification. So like you can get that certificate like for a very low cost online in just a, you know, a couple of like hours. And so the quality control can be a little bit iffy. And so I really think there's something to be said for training people in person and really getting a feel for like working with real humans and understanding movement because it's not one size fits all people are going to struggle in different ways and have different strengths. And I think that in-person experience is totally valuable. I agree with you on that. And then, um, okay. What was the second question? <laughs> no, that's why was the point I was trying to make. Um, I want to know with your HD fitness, since we're talking about you coaching people, let's go ahead and cover that on, uh, how did you get into that? What inspired you to hit that demographic? Cause I, I like it. And, uh, so that's, so when you got, so when you started doing the online, is that what eventually turned into what you did you, was that the, the type of clients you always trained or did you have a, a, a variety of people? Then you realized if you focused on this specific type, then it was better for you or what? Yeah. So initially I just trained everyone, right? Anybody basically, I was just getting started. So anybody that came to me that, you know, needed some help, I was willing to help them. And to this day, I still believe, you know, I'm sure you do too. Like, I believe that I can help anyone depending on what their goals are. You know, I can help them get closer to their goals. But over time and with experience, I realized I was having a lot of really good traction with a certain demographic of people. And for me, that, I mean, that is, I mean, I can, I can really dial it down. I mean, we're talking, it's usually going to be a woman in her early to late thirties. 
she's probably going to have two or three children. She's going to either have, she's going to have, she's either going to be a beginner to an intermediate level lifter. So she might have a little bit of experience or she's, she's done, you know, classes before or she's lifted, she's been in the gym before, but she's not super confident about maybe her form or her technique or how to program for herself or she's getting back into it. So maybe she was more active at some other part in her life and she's now getting back into it after her kids are a little bit older. Um, and a lot of the women that I work with also um, tend to, they tend to be moms and a lot of them also either like work from home or have their own business or work outside of the home. So a lot of them are also working mothers. and that's me. Right. So I like to think that, um, I understand my target demographic, the, the base of my clientele really well, because I'm probably where they were maybe, you know, five or eight years ago. And so, um, I think that it helps just that, you know, I really understand. I, I have other clients that fit outside that mold, but that's mainly who I, who I talk to and who I end up working the most with. And I think that's just because probably I can relate really well, you know? Well, yeah, you're going to work with who you resonate with because when it comes to problem solving, troubleshooting, which is the mentality you have to have when you do this type of stuff, you have to be a troubleshooter. And um, the stuff that they experience is probably stuff you've already done and you have the answers to so and that, that makes perfect sense when people are trying to find their niche or whatever demographic they target that's what that's what they need to think about like who are they best relate to what kind of experiences they have and um you know that that makes that makes a lot of sense um go ahead go ahead i was gonna say the other thing is that this is a very saturated market right so yeah. how do you stand out as a trainer and you know the way i see it is like I may not be talking to everyone in my, you know, content that I'm putting out. And that doesn't mean that some other people won't relate, but if I'm talking to one specific, you know, group of people, they may not be ready for coaching right now, but at some point there's a very good chance they will be, or they're going to benefit from that content. Even if, even if we never work together, they're still going to benefit from that. They're going to, I'm establishing myself as an authority for that person. And if they do need support or if they know someone who needs that support, they're going to know exactly who to come to. So I think that's one benefit of, you know, specializing and, you know, really kind of figuring out who, who do you work best with? And that's also going to be a good fit for you personally as a trainer, because you're going to vibe with them. Well, you know, um, when you're posting content that relates to that, yeah, it's going to catch their attention. It's if, if you just start putting out, I see guys, um, new guys on Instagram that are trying to build a following and they always just put out this really generic stuff. Like, here's how I would do this and not do this. And here's how I would do it. Like, dude, that shit is all over the place. Like, what is different about you? Like, what is a specific group with a specific problem that you can target? If you do any business classes, which I've done a bunch, they, they teach that. You know, here's, you've identified a specific problem with a specific group of people. Here's the answer they need. It's pretty much how you, how you market it. And if you get, if you start doing what everybody else does or do generic stuff, you get lost in the mix. You've just become um, one of billions of people that just got lost in the mix. So it, that's why having, having a certain niche is very important. 
Um, you know, I mean, not saying that you can't work with everybody. I mean, we, we can, it's just, you know, when it comes to posting content and stuff, you know, what specific group are we, can we help the most? Because that person's trusting you. And so, and they want to trust you. They want to connect with you, you know? And so I think it, it really helps just to know, like, man, like this, this, this coach, like they know me, they understand the, the roadblocks that I might face or my strengths and that sort of thing. Yeah. I agree with you. Now, when you, when you started training for powerlifting, like what sparked interest? Like, Hey, I'm going to jump in a competition. Like, cause I'm a lot of people practice and they don't ever compete. So what, what was it that triggered you to finally jump into a competition? Then I want to get into like how you ate and trained for it. Cause I want to compare how you went from one extreme to another when you did both competitions. Yeah. So to backtrack a little bit before competitive powerlifting, I was into competitive CrossFit and I was never really that great at it. It was more just recreational um, because I'm five, seven, and I'm kind of lanky. I've got like a swimmer's build. So I wasn't very good at the gymnastic skills, but man, I always loved like the slower, more controlled lifts. I loved squatting. I loved deadlifting. I didn't realize how much I was going to love bench press and, and how technical it is. And so that competitive side, I always said when I was, when I was competing in CrossFit, I would tell my friends and my training partners, I'm not really competitive. I've never really been the competitive type. And I think looking back, that was me sort of being afraid of failure at some point, And I don't really know where I just kind of told myself, like, why, why not me? Why can't I push, you know, this push myself a little bit more. And I started to just realize, okay. Cause I hear a lot of times, okay, I want to compete in powerlifting, but I need to get stronger first. Or I want to compete in bodybuilding, but I need to, you know, fill in the blank first, but like, man, your life is short and it's passing you by. And so just at some point, it was just this, I think this fear of failure started to diminish a little bit. And I started to become a little bit more fearless and it honestly, Jed, it just scared the shit out of me. <laughs> it scared me. Like the idea of competing in CrossFit and then, and then competing in powerlifting, like I would just see these girls that were so strong and I just was like, why not me? Why the hell can't I do that? You know? And, um, yeah, so I don't know, honestly, it just always appealed to me. And like I said, I always said, oh, I'm going to compete in a bodybuilding competition before I turn 40. I just kind of was like, screw it. Like, let's just go for it. You know, let's just try it out and see what happens. Do you think that's a, do you think it's a, because a lot of people will tell themselves the things you said in order to keep from competing. One thing I've noticed in doing this is people will mentally set up these barriers. They don't even realize they're doing it. So they'll say, well, I need to get a little stronger, a little bit bigger. And like two years down the road, like, dude, how much stronger are you going to get before you do this? You know, why don't you throw yourself to the wolves? And if you get whooped, you get whooped. Then you come back and you're like, here's what I need to do to win next time. And now you have the experience and you have a definite goal set because either two things are going to happen. You're going to get pissed. You're not going to do it again. Or you're going to come back with the, the, some knowledge. You're going to be like, all right, we're going to nail it this time. Yep. And I, that, I like, I kind of like that approach better, um, especially in, in bodybuilding. And I'll tell you why, because um, you'll have a couple types of people. You'll have some that do the, well, I need to get in better shape, better shape. And then they never go, or you have people that will, that think because they look good on the beach that they can stand on stage. 
and they get back in the locker room or they get back uh, backstage and they start seeing people warm up and they're like, dude, what the hell did I get into? And you're either going to realize that you're not cut out for it or you're going to be like, I need to take it serious next time. And um, when, when you go and you get that, you get that feeling when you're back there. I mean, it's, it's one of those make or break things like in a fork in the road. What are you going to do? You're going to say you're not cut out for this, or are you going to come back and you're going to do better next time? And, but you know, you know, you don't get that. You don't get that wake up call. If you're always saying, well, I need to get better before I do. I need to get better. It's like, well, how much, how much longer do you need, man? Eventually you got to give it a shot. If it's something you really want to do. It's an all or nothing, like perfectionistic view on things. And honestly, I think that's the easy way out. I see it in nutrition coaching all the time. People are like, oh, like they kind of will just like, well, I didn't know how to account for this or we went out to eat and I really didn't, you know, there was nothing on the menu that I could order. So like, I just ordered whatever, or, you know, it's this, it's, it's like a protective mechanism. And so when people are saying like, oh, I'm going to do this later on, I'm going to do it later on. It's because they're afraid of putting themselves out there. They're afraid of failing. And I'm not saying that competing for everyone, but this applies to other areas of life too. It could be whatever, you know, but just that sense of like, whatever your personal best looks like, like pushing to that, pushing to that limit and beyond that limit um, is hard and it's scary. And um, yeah, I think that the mental piece with, with powerlifting and, and with bodybuilding for sure is like, you have to, there has to be no other option. It's like, I'm doing this and there's no, there's no like plan B like this is it, you know? And that night on stage, everything you do from the start, start of prep to that night is going to show up on stage. So I'm like, if this is the only thing time you're going to do this, you need to put everything you got into it so that, you know, you get everything out of it. And um, it's crazy to see what stuff people can't cut out, even for 16 weeks. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're saying they're still doing things five weeks out that they should have cut out like 16, 20 weeks ago, because they think I think when people get on a diet, they think that the stuff they like are never going to come back. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, McDonald's is never going out of business. You'll have a time where you can go eat there. It'll be there. It's never going. I mean, I think they're fucking open on Christmas. Like they're never they're always going to be there. So like you don't have to act always there. This is temporary. And um, you know, when when uh people put up that protective mechanism, it applies to even just just trying to change your lifestyle. People say, Well, I got a lot of things going on, I'll wait till things calm down. I tell like life doesn't stop because you all of a sudden have a goal. Because if your kids are no longer going to baseball practice and you have the evening off, you're gonna get a flat tire. If you don't get a flat tire, then you're gonna have to stay late at work. Like something's going to happen. So yeah, you have to treat it as something extra on your plate. This is where the troubleshooting life and stuff comes in. Yeah. It's like people think that when they start a program, it's just all life stops and it's all the world just revolves around you now. And it's like, no, it's actually you're going to realize how many things don't evolve around you because now you have a goal and you have to do certain things and you have to work around life and it makes it a little rougher. And um, I think that's, that's I think it's one of the biggest things people need to realize when they start something. Yeah. I was actually working on an article about this. I'll share it with you when I have it out, but it was about this myth that people think, okay, if I'm going to hire a trainer, if I'm going to hire a coach, or I'm going to go after this goal that I have to, I have to do it perfectly. And I think that there's, there's a spectrum to it, right? So if your goal is competitive bodybuilding, 
you know, or, or even beyond that, like if you're a pro and you're trying to go to that next level, like try to go to the Olympia, like there's, there's lev levels to it. Right. But it doesn't have to be like, like, depending on what your goals are, it, it, there is a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. There has to be that like consistent effort, but that can look different depending on what the goal is. Right. So somebody that like wants to get in shape, they want to build muscle, they want to, you know, get their nutrition, right. That doesn't mean that they can't ever go out to eat or go on a date night once a week, or, you know, have like a balance but realizing like the perfect time is never coming. Like in my, with the people I work with, like you're going to get sick, your kid's going to get sick, then it's going to be the holidays. Then you're going to be moving. Then your car's going to break down. I work with a lot of military spouses. Then your husband's going to leave town. Like there's always something coming up. And so if you're always just waiting for the right time, like I think the best, I love it when people start contacting me in November, December, and I have, because if we can figure this stuff out now and get you on a consistent lifting regimen, get you being, you know, practicing moderation and being intentional with your nutrition right now, you're going to be crushing it come summertime when the kids are on summer break and you've got a little more space and time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's all about just like you said about troubleshooting and figuring out, okay, what are your roadblocks? What's going on? Let's work through that. You know, what's realistic for you? And so, I mean, yeah, whether it's competitive goals or just every day, just wanting to like feel, be healthier and, and feel better and like, look at naked, like, you know, the perfect time is never coming. So if you're thinking about it, like, let's go, you know, just start, yeah. just figure it out and I, you go along. Guy, I just had a guy who traveled to go training in California and he came back. He's like, I got a fridge. I got this and this, but I don't have this. And I emailed him a bunch of stuff and he made it work. And he came back. He's like, all right, back on track. No problem. Not a problem. Um, so, you know, you know, how people are, so, you know, we're, we're, I think we're in an age where breaking out of the comfort zone is not as ordinary as it used to be. So when people get uncomfortable, they like to just go back to their safe zone. And, um, you know, of course, me and you, we both though, like to prosper, you have to get uncomfortable. Like that's the whole name of the game. And it's so fun when you're like stacking wins, not even like you're always going to win, but like, just like, man, that self-efficacy when you're like, man, I, I did this despite my challenges, despite my adversity, it gets like, feels really good. And how you think of it is too, especially the holidays Oh, well, I got the holidays coming up. It's three days spaced about a month of what two of them are spaced almost a month apart one space a week away yeah. like you can diet for two three or four weeks and and cheat a day three times and be perfect and you'll be ahead of everybody come january yeah absolutely. and uh yeah and like um and that's that's how and you know you'll there's new stuff like well if you're gonna you know pick one of the places you're gonna go to to eat for that meal instead of eating at like five different family gatherings all in one day, you know, if you're really trying to watch it, pick one, um, you know, if people are going to eat and they have trouble controlling themselves, it's on one plate rule, whatever you can on one plate, eat that, call it, uh, call it a day after that. Yeah. Um, what I like to do is I like to try to manipulate their diet to where their higher carb day or whatever falls on the day they're going to eat. Oh yeah. And then I'll tell them, replace that last meal with whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And you're good because you're a little bit depleted and it's not going to hurt you. And um, I did that with a couple of people and it worked really well, actually. And um, they're like, it's like you said, there's ways around. You just have to sit back and think. It says, like, oh, it's the holidays. Like it's three freaking days. Yeah. Like, come yeah. on. 
Thanksgiving and then maybe like Christmas and I'm asleep usually by 10 o'clock at night on New Year's Eve. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. New Year's, New Year's is not a big one for me. We're talking a couple of meals. It's like, you know, yeah. Yeah. But I think um, have to be perfect. Depending, depending on the person, depending on the goals, it's like, you know, there's, like you said, just coming up with strategies and figuring out what's going to be right for that person, that individual person. And remembering why we have these holidays. It's not Jesus. Jesus didn't get born. So you get fat. Right. <laughs> so, so, but people are like, oh, you know, so we got to eat all this food. Like, that's not even why we have those holidays, man. I mean, I understand. I mean, I, I'm not. I mean, Christmas, yeah. I, I'm going to eat that. It's the first time I can remember Christmas Eve and Christmas falling on a weekend. And mm -hmm. I've been dieting in between the holidays just so I can enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. But yeah. I, I'm doing my work in between. I mean, I get it. But just I don't go in there with that type of mental capacity because then I'll go overboard. How you set your mind frame up before going into something is a huge deal. And hey, when you'll meet you both doing this, we, we've learned ways to to look at situations differently to, to change how to how to think about it. You know, just like, like that, like the Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I'm done. Go ahead. I like putting like thinking about it like a like a filter, right? Like just that filter of like, okay, I've got this big spread of food in front of me. You're at like, you know, potluck or something. First of all, like what's really gonna be worth it on this table? Cause there's probably a bunch of crap that isn't even gonna taste good. It's gonna digest really poorly. It's gonna make you feel really sluggish. What is even worth it? Like that you really, really wanna have, you know, have some of that. And then the other thing is ask yourself, how do I wanna feel? tomorrow morning when I wake up, you know what I mean? How do I want to feel after this, after this date night or after this event, physically, mentally, emotionally. And if you're okay with feeling bloated and lethargic and really dragging and probably going to miss the gym for a day or two, and if you're okay with that, then that's fine. If your actions line up with your, your expectations, then we're good. You know, that's okay. If that's what you really want to do. But most people are going to say, you know what, I, I really just want to enjoy my family. I want to make some, you know, enjoy this event or whatever. I want to be present and I want to eat, you know, this couple Christmas cookies, or I want to, you know, eat this, you know, cake or whatever it is. And, and, you know, just kind of move on the next day. It doesn't need to be this like huge eating event. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, people treat like a marathon sometimes. <laughs> um, now with uh, the competing out of the out of the powerlifting and the figure, what were the differences that, like when it came to diet and training and stuff? Like, what did you have to do? Like when you did the figure, you competed in powerlifting. You probably had to eat and do a certain way to make a certain weight class and stuff. And then you went into figure later on. Um, what were the things that you noticed? Were like, oh, this is really different from doing the powerlifting meeting. Yeah. So of course, I'm just going to share my personal experience, and you know, the way some people do this might be totally different. Um, for me personally, I started tracking macros in 2013. So I've been tracking macros for a long time. Okay. I've, I've had my nutrition dialed in. I mean, I did that even as crazy as it might sound. I tracked my macros through both pregnancies, through CrossFit, through competitive CrossFit, through powerlifting, and then for bodybuilding. The difference is with powerlifting, it was one of those things like you might be needing to cut weight and cut water weight. The, I would usually, you'd have anywhere between like a 24 and a two hour weigh in. 
Um, so depending on the event, you know, that could dictate how much water you're able to cut and cutting water is very different from cutting fat. It's a very different process. So if you're really needing to actually cut body fat leading up to, um, then that's going to be something longer term, like a typical diet for just, just a regular diet or for bodybuilding. You know what I mean? Um, so you have to just kind of know like what weight class you're competing in, um, and like your weigh-in time. And so, um, but for me, I tracked macros. So I would pay attention to how much protein, how much carbs, how much fat, how much fiber I was eating. I had a calorie target. Um, and for me personally, I feel best when I'm pretty precise with that. So I like, um, and I think tracking macros that is not necessarily, it can be kind of confused or misconstrued. Some people think it just means it's a license to eat literally anything. I mean, I eat, 30 to 40 grams of fiber every day. I'm, you know, consuming lots of vegetables, lean proteins, and, you know, maybe a treat, a treat looks like maybe some rice cakes with some peanut butter and some chocolate chips for me. Like that's most days. It's not like I'm out there eating pop tarts all the time or like eating, you know, slurpees from 7-Eleven. Like I'm not eating a bunch of crap because I don't feel good when I eat like that. So for me, tracking macros means that I'm paying attention to how much I'm eating. But for me, it also means I'm paying attention to what I'm eating. And that's what I teach my clients as well. We look at the quantity of food, but also the quality. So that is a little bit different. I think maybe not everybody that's involved in powerlifting, competitive powerlifting does that, or they may not do it to the extent that I did. I just feel best when I am really dialed in with my nutrition. And I've been doing that for a long time. So when I transitioned into prep for bodybuilding, I'll be honest with you, the nutrition piece was probably the easiest part for me because I already had so much history with that. Um, what it looked like for me was I started out tracking macros. I had a, I had a long prep, um, but I was, remember also I was very newly postpartum. And so we took things pretty slow and gradual. Um, I had five low calorie days. I had two refeed days, which are higher calorie days. They weren't cheat days. They were two higher calorie days with a structure with macro targets and I did that the entire time. So my prep was longer, but for the most part, I didn't really have any detriment to performance, energy, hunger was never really an issue until like the last, really like last couple of days out from my first competition. Um, and I think for me personally, having two kids, running my own business, having a husband who's gone quite frequently, that approach worked really well for me. That's not gonna be the same for everybody. So just, you know, trust whatever your coach tells you. Um, for bodybuilding, what it, the biggest difference was basically what I call tracking macros. When we got down to about 12 weeks out, it was like elite level tracking. So probably I'd say like eight to 12 weeks out, like I was weighing and measuring literally every single thing that I ate. I was not taking any extra bites or tastes of anything. And I personally, because I felt best doing this as neurotic as it might sound, I was tracking down to the 10th of a gram. So instead of like, okay, you can have 160 grams of protein or, or like my coach gave me a range. Like I was, I was literally, literally tracking, like, okay, I had 160.2 grams. So I call that like elite level tracking. That is not something that I would have like my general population clients ever do. That's not yeah. necessary for their goals. So for me, I wanted to compete at bodybuilding. I wanted to show up like my first time though, but I, but I wanted to look like I belonged on that stage as best I could. 
And so for me, I felt best being very meticulous with my tracking. I didn't need to do that when I was competing in powerlifting, you know? Um, so does that answer your question as far as like the nutrition? Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, in, in powerlifting, uh, I know um, when you go to the day of the meet after you weigh in, it's actually better to be a little watery for the joints and stuff when you go in there. Unlike, you know, bodybuilding where you have to be crisp and tight and everything. So I know oh, it's yeah. a little, little different. Um, After I weighed the, in for my powerlifting, it was like, as soon as you weigh in, like it's time to get as big as you can. So you're going to rehydrate, you're going to eat, you're going to get a bunch of sodium in your body. Like, yeah, it was like, it's, you want to be basically, it doesn't matter how much you weigh anymore. So it's time to eat for, you know, get yeah, that. Yeah. You want that rebound. You want that rebound going in there, unlike bodybuilding, but you want it there. Um, same with what I do marathon runners too. I would be a little bit more lax when I would carve them up for it. And I, I would carve them up for it, not because they're trying to look a certain way, but because they, if you, they can super compensate and have more energy stores than they would normally have if you deplete them and load them. And if they overdo it, you're just going to sweat it off when you start running. So it's not that big of a deal. And everybody that ever took the time to deplete and load before a, a triathlon, a marathon, always said they felt they would just eat something that wouldn't drag them down that morning because they're already filled up stores. And they would take like some, like um, drinks with like glycofuse and some aminos and stuff in it to drink when they start slowing down. So they can sip on it when they run and they did great. Glycofuse, so, man. I used to buy huge jugs of that. <laughs> that stuff works well. I like to drink oh, it during yeah. the workout. It's good stuff. Um, let's see. There, out of the two, what um, aspects did you like better or worse about each one? Like, if you did, you did figure you're like, oh, this is a lot better than I did powerlifting, so we can do this, this, and this. Or powerlifting was better because we didn't have to worry about this and this. I mean, was there anything like that when you try to compare? Because they're both, as it's not like one's easier or harder than they're both different complete sets of sciences. You got you have muscle targeting, isolation, stimulation, growth versus manipulating body mechanics to get as much weight as possible. And you can cross over some of the the, the information, but at the same, but you know, they're completely different ways of attacking a target. So. Well, what was it? There, are there any, there any conflicts like that you had when you went to one and you compared it to the other? Yeah, they're both so cool. Powerlifting is like the mental, the mental like strength that you need to lift a barbell that is, that is at your limit. Like it is the heaviest weight you've ever lifted. It is so freaking cool. Like mentally it is so fun and when you make that lift, like, oh, you just feel it is so freaking cool. And I love, um, I love feeling strong. I love having really good energy in the gym. I love training hard. And like the gym is like, I love that side of training. And so I would say the downside for me in bodybuilding in prep, I should say specifically not for hypertrophy necessarily, but like specifically in prep as I'm, as you're dieting was when you experience the experience those low energy days, or you do start to have some detriment, like performance starts to decrease a little bit or yeah, or that sucks. I it hate sucks, that. You know? Yeah. You like getting better and you like feeling strong. And so that's the part I, and I got like, I got pretty tiny, especially for my first time around. And I got to the point where like, I felt almost fragile, you know? And so I didn't like feeling like that 
And that was the cool part of powerlifting is like, you're just like freaking blowing your own mind on the performance side of things. But bodybuilding is so cool. And I think I, as a coach, and I'm sure yourself too, Jed, is like the like science experiment behind it. Like you are literally driving your own success, like your effort day in and day out and being so meticulous, like you are seeing your body change. You can see lines like in your forearms and your calves. And then you start to see it like definition in places that you've never. And for me, my first time, like I was, I've never seen my body look like this in my entire life. It's crazy, you know? Um, And so for me, I just really appreciated in bodybuilding. It made me after, after three pregnancies, we had one miscarriage, so two, two births, three pregnancies, but uh, powerlifting, CrossFit, and then going through this prep for bodybuilding. I just feel more appreciative of my body than ever. Like it absolutely astounds me what our bodies and our minds are capable of because in bodybuilding, it's like that, that mental piece of like where powerlifting is you get up on the platform and you're going to lift the heaviest weight you've ever lifted in your entire life with bodybuilding, it's almost like you get these daily wins where you're like, I don't even know like, if I can make it through this day, but I'm going to, and I'm going to check all my boxes and I'm going to get everything done. And then you get to that end of the day and you're like, damn, I did it, you know? So both have a huge mental component. Both have a tremendous physical component, but they're just different. They're just different. And for me, the biggest like downside was how how rigid you really have to be for bodybuilding, especially the closer you get to competition. Um, but also remembering like that's temporary and it's not like that all the time. Yeah. The, one, one thing I've always told people, the reason why I like doing this is um, we, like you said, when you start realizing being able to look however you want is like a real powerful feeling when you're able to transform your body like that. Yeah. It's, it's stuff that a lot of people can't do or don't know how to do. And then here you are doing it. You're literally changing in front of people mm-hmm. and you're looking however you want to look. And it's crazy when you think about it like that. Yeah. And um, it's just, it never gets old for me. When I help somebody change or I change, like it just never gets old. It's always as cool as the first time I ever helped somebody lose their weight or get abs or whatever like that. It's always satisfying. How many times so, have you heard like, oh, I could never do that. And in your head, you're like, yeah, with that attitude, you can't. Yeah, I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, you could. You could if you if you wanted to and you're willing to do the thing, things it takes to do this. And I'm not saying that's for everybody, but like you can. It's so powerful to know that like, if you have the tools, you can put them into practice and do it. I usually tell them like, when I say, oh, I can never do that. It's like, no, you're unwilling to do it. Yeah. You can, but you just yeah. don't want to. Yeah. It's like saying, oh, I can't go without my morning, whatever bullshit I buy from Starbucks. Like, yeah, you can, you can drive past it. You're just unwilling to. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's where the conflict comes in, but they'll say they can't because that gives them a crush to make them think that, it, to, to put it in those terms that they feel okay doing it yeah. that that's what it is yeah. um and i mean i've been there it's hard it's hard to quit things like I, i've quit so many things i i got i got an addictive personality i've quit a lot of things like tobacco certain um like when i was prescribed adderall i quit that yeah there was it's it's a hard thing so i mean i get it but at the same time those fundamental things are still there like you just i when people say they can't 
quit eating something or go without it, I'll say, you know, it takes less energy to not do something. You're wasting more energy doing something you shouldn't be doing. So, I, just yeah. wish, I just wish people understood like how good it feels to, to like feel good, like to like, to like feel healthy and to feel strong and to, to be active and to like know that you have control over your body. Cause I feel like so many people think that like being disciplined with your nutrition and being, you know, consistent with your exercise, that it, it's like that we're like, they're like sacrificing or suffering. And it's like, no, like, I mean, when you have those tools and like you said, having that like power and over, you know, how you feel, it's, it's, it's amazing. And especially when you're first getting started, I think you start to experience experience those wins and you see that progress and you're just like, it's so cool, you know, but I feel like so many people just don't even, they don't even believe that in themselves enough to like start because if you just start and just like it's great you know you what, feel really really good so once yeah, you see the first results believe in themselves once you see the first results and you get that light at the end of the tunnel people will change like they start believing and it makes it a lot easier but you have to get them to the point to where they can start seeing those changes and then they start believing they can do it and then it starts happening I, I, when i first started this job that was one of the things i noticed the people that didn't think they ever could do it. And then, you know, their pants were a little looser. Next thing you know, they're carrying the coolers with them. They're going to the gym all the time. It changes how they think about things. Uh, before we go, I want to ask, I think we've covered this one about things you learned preparing, pre preparing for a contest that you can take outside of the gym. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the things that we do through a prep or just changing ourselves or committing to a goal or just being in the gym and powerlifting, we apply those lessons and stuff outside the gym. It can make you a very successful person. Uh, I think we've covered that talking this little dedication, discipline, having to change habits, things like that. For um, so I want I'll, so I'll end it with this. I want to say for somebody who's never done this before and they're thinking about doing it for the first time, what is some advice you could give them or something that they need to expect that they normally wouldn't expect? Are you saying somebody that like wants to get started in the gym or start to get active or somebody that wants to start competing? Competing. Competing in bodybuilding or powerlifting or both? Uh, either one, just competing in general. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd say for, if you are, I mean, I'd say with either one, with powerlifting, it's just go for it. Everybody at powerlifting competitions is so cool and so friendly and, um, you don't need to be strong enough. And honestly, not really very many people are like getting even paid to do this stuff. Just go for it. Like once you've got, you know, get a coach, like get your lifts dialed in, make sure you know your commands. So you don't look like, you know, a fool on the platform, like get all that figured out, but like, just go for it. Don't wait until you're strong enough because that doesn't make any sense. Just go and have fun. For bodybuilding, I think it's really important that you understand that it's, you might like, you might slip up. I think, I think first of all, like hire a coach, hire a coach. If you're going to compete in bodybuilding for the first time, especially, um, in my, in my opinion, you know, personal opinion, hire a coach and trust them, like do what they tell you to do. Don't be afraid to ask questions and things like that. If you want to know the why behind something, but don't like block, you have to block out the noise. Um, 
And I would say just like with preparing and bodybuilding is don't, don't have a plan B because so many people start a prep and they drop out. Just go all in. Like what, what do you have to lose? And also remember that in bodybuilding, especially like if you, if you have a family, if you have kids and a a partner, they're going to be sacrificing too. And so if you're going to do it, do it right. Do it, go all in because you're not just sacrificing your own time, your own energy, your coach's time and energy, but your family's too. So make it worth it. Like make it a big celebration. You don't want to get on stage and like, regardless of placing, you don't want to get on stage and wish, man, I really wish I had made my workouts and got, you know, got all my workouts. And I really wish I had been more consistent with my nutrition. You're going to do it. Make that mental switch. It's not forever. You may decide you love it and you want to keep going with it, or maybe a bucket list thing. And that's okay. But if you're going to do it and you're going to commit to it, don't have a plan, but you just go all in and do it. I think you think sometimes having a plan B may be a reason somebody pull out because they'll say, well, at least I can go do this. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, yeah. Do you have anything to say about uh, what I said before that about the lessons you can learn being taken outside the gym? I mean, do you have any, I'm sure you guys experience that because you run your own business and that, that takes a lot of, st- um, I, I always use Arnold as an example about when he said he took what he applied for Mr. Olympia to playing in the movies and he became the highest paid actor in Hollywood as an action star, which is like unheard of, you know? So it's the same there. There's a, what, what, what's one of those lessons that you've learned doing competition, being in the gym that you've taken outside of the gym is this done, done well for you. Mm, so many things. Um, Just be aware of that. If you do have that all or nothing mindset or that like really perfectionistic mindset about your nutrition, about your training, there's a good chance that that is limiting you in other areas of your life too. So be aware of that. Be aware of that. All right. That's what I would say. Okay. Well, guys, um, Thanks for joining in, listening to the, for those that join in live to listen to the first episode of uh, Inside Iron Hawaiian Fitness. If you're on island or you come visit the island of Oahu, check out Iron Hawaiian Fitness, 1727 Republican Street, Honolulu, Hawaii, 96819. Holly, it was a pleasure. I enjoyed it. Um, and I'll see you in the gym. Thanks, Chad. This was awesome. Right. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. All right. Take care.